0: Welcome to the clinical podcast series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. Today's episode is entitled corticosteroids versus cyclosporine for sub epithelial infiltrates secondary to epidemic keratoconjunctivitis, a prospective randomized double-blind study. It's my pleasure to welcome our host, Dr. Tom Quinn, our topical expert, Dr. Mika Moy, and our topical editor, Dr. Kelsey Steele. And now it's my pleasure to bring to you today's episode.
1: Welcome, you of curious minds, to the American Academy of Optometry Foundation's clinical podcast series. In this episode, we will be discussing a paper that explores the efficacy and tolerance of two possible treatments for corneal infiltrates associated with epidemic keratoconjunctivitis. Hi, I'm Dr. Tom Quinn, and our guest expert for today is Dr. Mika Moy. Dr. Moy completed a residency in pediatrics and specialty contact lenses and is currently a clinical professor at the Berkeley School of Optometry and teaches diagnosis and treatment of anterior segment ocular disease. Mika, that's why you're here. Welcome.
0: Thanks, Tom. I'm so glad to be here.
1: It's it's a treat to have you here. The paper we're going to discuss was published in June of 2021 in the issue of uh, the journal Cornea, published Mm -hmm. by the author Dua Guadir. And what can you tell us about uh, this paper, Mika? What hypothesis did the authors want to explore?
0: Yeah, so they were looking at subepithelial infiltrate treatment uh, when someone uh, develops SCI secondary to epidemic keratoconjunctivitis or EKC. Right. And as we all know, that's super frustrating to both the patient and the doctor. Um, And so they wanted to compare... Uh, topical steroids versus topical um, cyclosporin, and they mm-hmm. chose FML as their uh, topical steroid, and they compounded 0.5% cyclosporin as uh, for that arm of the study.
1: Okay, and why is such a study important? Why is it needed?
0: So probably all of us are really familiar with that patient who has those stubborn SEIs, and maybe every time you try a steroid, maybe they're a steroid responder. And so you're having to you know, play chicken with their IOP or maybe uh, every time you finally think you're done with a taper that those uh, sub epithelial infiltrates come back. Oh, Wouldn't it be so nice to have, right? <laughs> or
1: everybody. maybe
0: it's, someone you know is a steroid responder and now they've got this problem and and you wish you had an alternative to putting them on a steroid in the first place. So right. I think um, it's a very topical paper.
1: What, I get that, that double uh, topical drop and topical of interest. <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> okay, exactly. so what
1: did they find?
0: So it's it was very interesting. So they found that both of these treatments were effective in reducing or even completely removing SEIs, um, they found some um, differences between those two treatments though. So FML was three times more likely to completely remove the SEIs, um, But in the first three months of treatment, um, FML was better. It was faster at removing or um, uh, fading those SEIs but after six months, there was no difference between those two treatment arms, uh, the cyclosporin and the FML.
1: Okay. Well, um, I did, go ahead. You have more you wanna Well, on? I was
0: gonna say, uh, one more thing that I found that was more interesting was the, the uh, protocol that they used. And, um, they looked at patients, I think all of us are familiar with the patient who they have the SCIs and we feel like, oh, we need to treat them really fast before those things fibrosins right. are. But in their patient base, the average pre-treatment time, so the average amount of times the patient had the SCI before they started the protocol was 14 weeks and they still had quite good results. So I found and, that like really interesting.
1: Amika, Mika, remind us uh, how often they instilled the drop. In the eye, drop.
0: Yeah. So their protocol was very uh, long, which I think all of us have experienced that, right? It seems like we need to battle these SCIs for quite an extended period of time. So they did a four times a day, regardless of arm, everyone got the same number of drops. So four times a day for a month, three times a day for a month, two times a day, then for four months, um, mm-hmm. And so I think that also kind of gives uh, the practitioner an idea of maybe that would be a good starting point to just realize that this is a treatment that's going to take um, quite a long time.
1: Okay. So we talked about the effectiveness of each drop. How about the tolerance to each drop?
0: So um, that's interesting. Um, When we go into, you know, how did the patients tolerate the drops? It turns out that the steroid drop was better tolerated than the cyclosporin. There were a couple of people who dropped out um, because uh, that were in the cyclosporin arm secondary to, you know, um, uh, a sting of that drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting too that the steroid was better tolerated.
1: So, in summary, what have we learned? What can we apply to patients in our chair?
0: Well, the one thing that I found disappointing about this study was the. They that they compounded the cyclosporine. Um, the cyclosporin concentration they used was 0.5%. And as we know, we can get 0. 0.09, we can get 0. 0.05, we can even get 0. 0.1. Recently, there's a new drop that's a 0. 0.1 concentration that's commercially available. Mm-hmm. But if you want to use the drop they use, now you've got to involve a compounding pharmacy. And I just feel like that might just be one step too far for a lot of Private practice doctors. Do um, you think we can apply?
1: Can, do you think we can apply some of the learning to a drop of different concentration? Or is it hard to say?
0: I think it's hard to say because if you wanted to get the same efficacy, like I really wish they had used something that was commercially available because then mm. we could extrapolate that really easily. But as of this point, it's like, okay, well, if you use something that's commercially available, do you just instill far more drops during the day? And then what happens to compliance? And Um, I think the other thing that I want to point out is FML uh, here out in California, I'm not sure about other parts of the country, but it's pretty difficult to get that drop, even though it's commercially available. A lot of the big box drugstores don't carry it and they won't fill it. Um, so that's another perhaps, um, real world shortcoming of this. If you are in a situation where you're going to have a hard time securing that drop for your patient, maybe you will be stuck in a situation where you have to compound cyclosporine anyway.
1: Micah, thank you for your insights on this paper. I think we learned some great clinical tips, but also understand some of the limitations of the study. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening.
0: And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen.